0: Now, I had to have Alan on this podcast, and, is, and I almost feel uh, ridiculous for not even having you on earlier, because we have breakfast together all the time.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing. The time is now. We're here. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be earlier. It doesn't have to be later. I, you know, early in my career, when people say, you've got to get on television, I go, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. Right. I'm here for the long arc, the long game. And I think that I, when I was young, I kind of learned that in show business. So I think that's really
0: helped me. Um. Wh- wh- how do you mean it uh, when you you learn that in show business?
1: Uh, when I got into stand up in the early '80s, yeah, uh, there wasn't the youth thing. You gotta you gotta have it now, like we have today. Like you gotta make your first million before you're 30. Yeah. Kind of went into the clubs. I saw comedians. I watched Carson ever since I was a little kid, and I realized there were gonna be a lot of ups and downs. It was gonna be tough. So just take your time, and when you're ready, y- you'll get out there. You know.
0: You'll you get on a, a major platform, that you know, and that's a great way to look at it because I had the exact opposite mindset. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a younger guy. You came, uh, you came. Old. When did you get in? Well, uh, like 2001 is oh. when I started, and I and God, I, you're I, a rookie. Yeah, absolutely, still young. And I I came to LA from uh, Indiana, thinking I was going to be a star overnight. Because I got an agent in a matter of weeks. I got two agents. I got a commercial agent, a theatrical agent. I got accepted to a, a very prestigious um, uh, theater to uh, to perform. And uh, and so I thought I was just going to be the next. you on the fast up. track. I was on the fast track. That's like, intoxicating. Boom, boom, boom. When you, when
1: you get in all yeah. that right away, it's like, oh. Yeah. The, the clouds open up. The angels start singing. You're on your way, Leo.
0: Yeah, and so you couldn't tell me anything, and I felt like I didn't need anybody, and uh, and 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 I was all ego, and like without the skill or the you know the the wherewithal to, to know how to manage it, and uh, and so life like you said it, it, it has it had start the, the down started coming mm-hmm. and and now i'm like now i'm all about like yeah just take your time be present <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you get you get whacked in the head a few times and you,
1: and you go oh oh okay am i going to quit no am i going to kill myself no i'm going to keep going yeah i got an early gig in 84 maybe 3 or 4 years into it maybe 2 years into stand up lorne michael's cast me Ooh. It was a. It was this first show after Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and I. Well, this is it. I'm working with Steve Martin, Gilda Radner, John Candy. I'm. I'm. After this, it's going to be maybe small parts in movies and mm-hmm. bigger parts in movies. So I had an ego, but I tried to keep it as chill as I could because I also had low self-esteem. So I had to push me, pull you.
0: You know, growing up. That is. Uh, um that's a dangerous combination, right? Have a high ego sense of self and then have low self-esteem at the same time. But I
1: kept it on check as much as I could, you know, because it was just the way I was raised. Oh, How so? Well, I was a wise-ass in school, and uh, I was a classic underachiever. Didn't make Mm -hmm. good grades. uh, And uh, uh, did two tours of seventh grade. You know, but I, I... I had a good time making people laugh, having friends. So I knew I was going to be okay if I just got to New York. Ever since I was a kid, if I just get to New York and get into show business, I'll be fine. And that's what happened. It was tough. But that r- just the dream and then the reality of going to New York. And when I went there, I was still scared to death. Right. You know, but I think knowing what I wanted to do at eight years old, I wanted to be an actor, was mm-hmm. gold. And it was not uh, supported at all. People thought I was out of my mind. My parents went and saw my plays at school yeah. when I was in college in Miami. But I had a high school counselor tell me, you can't be going into show business. I told him my exactly what I was going to do. Yeah. And he said, well, what? you got to get a job. you you, you got to have some security in your life. Wow. He thought I was out of my mind. And this is 1972, 73. Yeah, just to give it a time frame. Now, if a kid goes to his parent at 70, you know, it, it, 17, 18, he says, "I want to be an actor. I want to do this." They're going to encourage him, because you know, it's not good to piss on people's dreams, especially when they're young.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know. And so, how did you, you know, how did you have the enough strength and resilience and persistence to? To keep going when everyone, I mean, now the it was most eight year olds. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I I got uh, cast in a kindergarten play when uh, at Catholic school. I played a little priest. Mm-hmm. This is 1960. There's an expression back then: children were seen and not heard. Right. It wasn't just an expression; it was a philosophy. You know, so I sat uh, as a six year old looking out at the sea of grown ups who came to see their kids graduate. And they were laughing at me and with me, and I found it very intoxicating. I thought, "This is fantastic." Adults are focusing on me, and making people laugh was such a high it that is. ever since then, it was important for me to be funny.
0: It, it is intoxicating, you know. I, I, you know, one of the hardest things is people think like for a performer, at least. And tell me how you feel. The performance isn't the tough part, or even a pre-show. It's after the performance of like. How do I decompress? How do I slow it down? How do I? It's a great problem to have. A, it's a great problem to have. <laughs> it's it's right? called a champagne problem. Oh, is that what? It is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because if
1: you go out there and you eat it, or you do a, a set that's just okay, yeah, it's it's killer. Yeah, you know. But you got to process the good and the bad. Uh, you know, usually the drive home, I chill out, or if I'm on the road, go up to my room, uh, take a hit of weed watch an old movie, uh, read. I got back into the reading habit, thank God.
0: Uh, what do you mean, thank God? Like,
1: well, because with Netflix and all these great shows now on television, at the end of the day, I, I just want to absorb. I don't want to read because I, you know, I, I write sometimes during the day or I go on auditions. Yeah. So I don't want to sit down and read a book. I just want to come home and look at the television and, and watch an old movie or something on Netflix or documentary. Right. But when I was in the U.K. recently... In April of uh, 2019, if you're listening to this, whenever you are, <laughs> this could be an archive. Yeah, you know. absolutely. Because after you and I are long <laughs> dead and gone, and some kid pulls a sound chip out of a nuclear rubble and says, "Well, I'll listen to this." These are guys talking in the, the 21st century. Right. You know, um, I would take trains from London to Birmingham and Wales, and on the train, it's so peaceful, and nice. I would grab a book, and I started reading, and I got back into the reading habit. And then I went to Berlin, and I would go home after shows at night, and I would read, and that helps helps me. So I'm really happy. I'm back to reading more, you know, because I, I read when I was younger.
0: Uh, you know, I'm the same way. I just got back into reading more, and uh, I think what got me out of it is I was reading too many uh, self help books, mm-hmm. and it was just I was kind of reading the same thing over and over, and then I, I just kind of fell out of love with it. And then I had a friend tell me to read Moby Dick. Because mm. she said that uh, she said my she's like if of all the fiction characters that she's uh, read, uh, uh, I Ishmael. Resemble, yeah, I re, I resemble is uh, Ishmael the, the captain? All right. No, not the captain. No, it's Isha- Ahab. Ahab, right? Captain Ahab. The, the book starts. So, Call me Ishmael. Ishmael. So Ishmael's yeah. the guy who is narrating the, right. the story. It's his story. Um, or his point of view. Right. So, uh, so I started reading it, and and even though. There's a lot of words in there that um, I don't understand, and not because of the time, because uh, he's he uses some big words in that book. Yeah, and I'm like, but it's great because then my brain is like, oh, I wonder what that means, I and I understand it within the context. But it, it really does uh, work your brain um, in terms of picturing uh, the different things and thinking about it, and then um, you know figuring out what the words mean within the context of the of the conversation. But I feel much better reading than I do after, you know, watching something like Game of Thrones. You know, I feel right. tense after watching TV, but I feel relaxed after I've read something.
1: Or you could watch something even inspiring on television. But there's the process of reading that you can you can go at your own pace. Mm-hmm. It's not. And I don't read on a Kindle. I read a book, so the battery's not going to die. Mm-hmm. And you're working that muscle of what's that word? I want to find out what that word is which is, as you get older, is much more important, I think, to a person, an individual. How so? What do you mean? The definition of words. You come across a word you've never run across before. And you're you're a man, you're in your 40s? At 43? Yeah, so, oh, that's something new. That's always going to happen. There's always words I run across, I have no idea what they mean, or I remember and forgot what the definition is. And sometimes I've used words, I forgot their definition, and I've been called on it, and I've had to look the word up, you know. So, you got that uh, bullshit happening.
0: It is. It's fun to uh, hear a word that you've never heard before, or to. Uh, I get excited when I hear words that I've heard a million times, but used in a different context. Um well, was, the wrong context? No, not necessarily the wrong context, but like I was I was training a client, and uh, after the session, he was like, he was like, Coach. I feel like our workouts will yield excellent results. And it was something about him, you know, because usually people are like, I feel great or I feel amazing. Right. Nobody says, I feel that our workouts will yield excellent results. So it was that string of words in regards to the workout that, because it was was different than how most people refer to their workouts, that has always stuck in my mind. That sounds like, like a farmer. Uh, yeah well he's a prince actually yeah (laughs) Yeah. he's like i feel like the work will yield excellent results well he's around people
1: (laughs) that use uh that kind of language or he's read something recently or that uh it's interesting like when i go when i was just in england you know the way people articulate themselves and the way they communicate is is kind of more minimalist than it is certainly here in california
0: like they like the economy of words. Like yes, they're straight ex- to the point. Uh, yes, where here we're just rambling.
1: Sir, is uh, that street down there? Indeed, <laughs> that's it. You know, is it? Of yeah, it's yeah, it's right up there, buddy. Yes, indeed, that kind of thing. And it's not coming from you know someone from Buckingham Palace. It's just coming from a dude on the street.
0: <laughs> right. Am I <laughs> like heading they toward? All talk th- like that. <laughs> if
1: I go up, will I hit St James Park? Indeed, you know. You're on the right path. It says it says it all. Yeah, you know. Uh,
0: yeah, I, 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 I too am fascinated when people uh, having a, can say something. Oh, like uh there's a, and you would love this. There's a conversation between Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Mark Evol. Zuckerberg. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook guy. Mark. Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, you said yeah. Martin. Oh, I did. Yeah, I was just. saying, uh, uh, There's a Zuckerberg okay. out there. I don't know.
1: I'm here to learn, Leo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And uh, uh, the uh, New York Times bestselling author Yuval Harari, who's written Homo Deus and uh, Homo Sapiens. Uh, yeah. And, um, and so Mark Zuckerberg, for 10 minutes, is talking about how great Facebook is and how it's used to connect people. And then uh, Yuval just chimes in at the end and he says, there's a difference between connecting people and harmonizing people. Boom. Done. Yes, and you can just see the look in Mark Zuckerberg's face of like he's like because you can connect a lot of people and it bring and it could bring disharmony. There's a lot of you know countries and companies and people who have come together and it's it's caused wars and. And uh, and and famine and, and things like that, and uh, so it was just a that economy of like just boom just harmonizing very different word, and connection can bring conflict. Absolutely, you know, absolutely.
1: Where harmony is it? I mean, there's no explanation after that.
0: It's a it, you know, it's a beautiful thing. You mm-hmm. know, I see that you have the word begin on your because we're in Alan Havy's uh, a home office, and. Uh, you have the word "begin" on top of your desk. What What does that word mean for you?
1: Well, um, I saw it on a bike path uh, here in uh, Santa Monica. They have a little s- black and white sign. It says "bike path" has a bike, and then a separate sign that says "begin." Mm-hmm. So this is where the bike path begins, and I just liked it, and I was going to steal it off the pole, and I wanted to, and I. For 15 years, I've been plotting to do it, and I haven't done it yet. And one was kind of bent, and they took it down. I went, damn, I could have gotten that one. So I said, well, don't steal. Although there's a little guy, you know, little thief in me. I've always wanted to pull a bank job. Oh, we all do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or 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 jewelry heist, you know. And, uh, of course, that's a romantic kind of fun fantasy. I would never do it. But, you know, stealing the traffic sign, like late at night in Santa Monica,
0: that's such a college thing to do. Yes, That's such it's, a it's like <laughs> like high 18, school, yeah. yeah, high school, college, <laughs> yeah, that.
1: <not laughs> so I, I just got a, a piece of flat cardboard. I guess that was in a package or something. So I said, just get out a sharpie, write the word, put it on your desk. Sure it, it just it's a positive word. Begin, mm-hmm. begin your day, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like, and it's made me not the sign, but just the idea of putting it up, has made me more proactive when I think of something. Like when you called me today or you texted me, you said, hey, you want to do a podcast this week or next? I go, I'm here. And you said, how about right now? Boom. I'm open to that. So now we don't have to make plans. I don't have to put it on my calendar. It's done. Because I have a day of I have to do things today, but I can push it ahead.
0: You know, I, yeah, because I, I, I love that idea of right now because I'm a procrastinator. And if I don't do something... Right now, or within the next 24 hours, it'll be 24 years before I do it. That long? Yeah. Like, like I, like you know, I'm, I'm, the, I have to do it. If I think of something, I have to do something to get the momentum of it going. So it's not necessarily about like I have to complete it. I just have to take an action step, whether it's writing it down, scheduling it, making yep. a phone call. Did you pick that up email. from something?
1: Because um, I, I heard it was uh, something, it might have been Tony Robbins or somebody who said, if you think of something, uh, instead of thinking, oh, when can I do it, do a little bit now to get you motivated. And that's what I've been doing the last, like, five, six years. Yeah. You know, like, oh, the garbage needs to be empty. Just get up, do it now. Like, those tasks you can get done. But I, I know what you mean. Like, just write out, just spend 20 minutes writing notes.
0: Something. You know, even if it's just two seconds, put something in your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there has to get some momentum going so that you, you, it's not, it doesn't become overwhelming right? because what's beautiful about you having begin is that most, you know, cause it, when I saw it, it stood out because I realized I, I don't have that mindset. Like, I'm always thinking like, do I have enough time to finish it? I'm always thinking, finish it. yeah, And then I go, I don't have enough time. So I don't even start it. I don't even begin. And I think a lot of people think like that, you know.
1: Well, certainly comedians do. Because if you have an idea of a joke and you write it down, you can try it out tonight or this weekend, and you get the answer. But if you're writing a script or a novel or working on a long-term goal, it's, it's just you just kind of have to do the reps, you know. And it's, it's hard for comedians. You know, we have a great life, like today. I have autonomy. Yeah, Leo, come on over now. I'm a comedian. You know, I, I have plenty of, of time during the day to finish what I need to finish today. But if you think of that, oh, I got to finish it, that task, that's, that's kind of like school. Mm.
0: You know, that's the, the muscle they, you know, you start something, you finish it. Yeah, right, know. right, right. And now, he, even though you do have a lot of autonomy, you, you are you are married. Yeah. So, so you, you, have, you have some boundaries <laughs> on your time. Not many. <laughs> my
1: wife, well, we have no children, and my wife keeps, you know, I mean, we have our little responsibilities, and I, I, I'm happy to do her a favor. Uh, the great thing about being married is I love ma- making my wife happy, mm. and she's not high maintenance. So Susan, uh, you know, when I go on the road, she's happy. You know, she misses me. I miss her. But if I say, hey, I'm going out tonight with Leo, She'll say, what time are you coming home? Where are you going? None of that. Just have a good time. Wow. Yeah. So it's one of the reasons I married her, because we're both very independent. Yes. Um, But yeah, it's not total autonomy. You know, i got to show up at show time. Absolutely. If, if I have an audition, I, I want to do the prep for it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when you came over today, I kind of straightened up the desk and made it... Uh, Company friendly, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. right right, you know, yeah, I made sure I had cold cold water. Well, I had papers out and stuff around. Yeah. I didn't want the things out. Yeah. Um, cold water, do it. does Leo, you know, does he like iced tea? you know, if I have a guest coming over to the house, I kinda of prep the house for that. Make sure the bathroom's presentable, that kind of thing. You know, but my life is I keep it really simple and easy. And that took practice.
0: Um, and what do you mean it took practice? Like, was it, did you feel like it was kind of like chaotic before or
1: disorganized?
0: Disorganized.
1: I would say I need to organize myself. And that's kind of been an ongoing thing. When I first got to New York and I was on my own and I had my own place, I would practice putting my clothes away. Actually, come home instead of, you know, I'd come home and throw it on the bed or they'd be scattered. And I'd, I'd come home and feel anxious because everything was out. So I would practice putting clothes away. This goes in the hamper, this goes in the drawer, this goes on the hanger. Just kind of get a flow. Because I was an adult. I didn't have my mom, hey, come on, clean up your room. Or a roommate who said, you know, I can't live like this. So even though I had a roommate, he had a separate little uh, environment, Mm -hmm. and I had mine. So it's it's something, as an adult, you have to change your game. You know, I've seen a lot of, especially young comedians, they keep that childhood... In their lives for 40 years, you know, and I realized if I want to be a person of the world, and that's why I went to New York, I want to be a part of this world. I had to act uh, a little differently
0: as I got older, you a know. A person of the world. Yeah. I love that. You know, I just read something yesterday that said um, there's a difference between being childish and childlike, right? Like, right. Like childish is is immature you're reactive uh extremely uh emotional but childlike you're curious you're full of wonder uh you're thoughtful uh you forgive easily and and i I think that people have confused the two and what we want to do is get rid of the childishness but we want to maintain that childlike my mom is has that childlike wonder like like you know, she's 67, and she's still in awe by things, and she still wants to touch things, and wants to go places, and and you uh, grew stay up with up that, light. and I grew up with that, right? And I still have that, and, and you know, so uh, when people meet me, they go, "Wow, oh, you look," you know. I tell them my age, they say, "You look younger," and and I I truly believe it's because I I still am tuned into that nine year old inside right. of me, and I.
1: You know. and, and you're black, and you age. Yeah, different. yeah. Let's 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 put that up there. You know, I'm 64. I look 64. You know, I could be as childlike as I wanted. You know, yeah. You brothers get all the breaks, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's absolutely true. So, so what else are you doing to to maintain your your childlike uh, wonder? Because I know that. You, Except um,
1: for the forgiveness part, the easy. Forgiv- <laughs> it's not, I, d- I don't have that. I will hold a grudge. Well, you're,
0: and you're and, a and Italian, then I'll put it right?
1: away and then it'll, it'll come back. <laughs> and, and then, no. <laughs> so that's probably my the heaviest weight I lift in my life are grudges and people that have wronged me. You know, it's it's tough. Um, but, uh, all right, let's start with this. First of all, I need to thank you and Jeremy Hotz. And I think Faraz was in the room. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I was in Berlin recently. The last day I was there, I rented a bike, and I fell on my bike, and I hurt my ribs. I told you guys about it. Yes. And I had done that before, not on a bike, but other incidences where I, I cracked my rib. And, it, and I, you just let it heal. You, you can't really do anything or put a cast on it or anything. So you guys are saying, hey, go get x-rays. Remember that? Yes. That Monday, I w- called my doctor. I said, you know what? This sounds like advice I would give another comedian. Mm. I said, call the doctor. Just get an x-ray. So I went and got x-rays, and I had an x ray my lungs, my chest. And uh, the doctor called me a few days ago and said, everything is normal. And it was such a relief. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. For, for the nudge. Yeah. You know?
0: the You know, it because it, it's one of those things where... Even though you go, it's happened before, et cetera, et cetera, there's still a party that's like, but you don't know. You don't know for sure. And
1: you guys were right. You go, hey, man, you're 64. You need to to check up on it. And I wasn't insulted. I said, those guys are right. So that wasn't childlike, but that was like, okay, if you have three people telling you something, Mm. you should do it. That's how I got into meditation. Like uh, about seven, eight years ago, three different people from different areas of my life had started meditating, and they just kind of brought it up. I wasn't reading into it. I'd heard about it for years. I used to be a runner back when I was younger, so that was my form of meditation. Right. So I started meditating. And, um, and, go ahead. And, it, and that has really helped. It's been the biggest thing in my life, that and that yoga ball behind you, stretching out on that. Oh, this? Yeah. I yeah, got
0: It's a sub- the stability ball. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's what they call it now? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so, so when you meditate, is it, like, transcendental? Are no, you chanting just, or what? I'm not know?
1: chanting. I have my own uh, mantra. Sometimes I say thank you. Sometimes I say to love. But I just kind of breathe for 13 minutes and 13 seconds because 13 is my lucky number. So I do that in the morning with morning pages, and that's how I start my day.
0: Okay, so I want to unpack a few things. Uh, how, how did 13 become your lucky number?
1: Uh... In 1986, I was uh, booked on Letterman, my first Letterman, and it was November 13th. Mm-hmm. And It was about six weeks before. So when I heard the date, I go, okay, 13, I decided then when I got booked, that's going to be my lucky number. Because, you know, it's traditionally a bad luck number. Right. So I said, I'm going to make it my lucky And I had a great... A uh, premiere and Letterman and a few comedians. Thirteenth, huh? You know how people do that. Yeah. They kind of put those little doubts in your yeah. head. <laughs> you know your friends, and I'm making quotes. You know your <laughs> colleagues uh, that are happy for you, but there's that subconscious envy and stuff, yeah, which we're, we're all guilty of. You know, yeah. um, and uh, so that's how thirteen became my lucky number. Wow. Oh yeah, I didn't know. And twenty thirteen stars
0: or anything. Like no,
1: that. I don't do that shit. Okay. <laughs> charts i mean i read horoscopes but i don't you know i don't really don't give a damn about that stuff i feel i'll I'll be in the groove as much as i can and watch for signs you know yeah look both ways try to eat right drink begin yeah begin drink (laughs) some water
0: and then what you said you uh with your meditation you do morning pages yeah. All right. And so, can you explain that? Because I, uh, you know, I have a lot of listeners from like all over the world, and some of them don't understand the world of stand up. And so, are your morning pages—just you scribbling notes, or it's journal- no,
1: th- it's from the Artist's Way, the book, The Artist's Way, Julia Cameron. Any beginning artist or person they that thinks they want to be an artist, this is a, a great book to read. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, and. Uh, She says, when you get up in the morning, grab a journal and just write. Don't think, stream of consciousness, and you get a lot of gunk out, a lot of anger, a lot of stress, and I just write, and it's scribble. And when I fill a journal, I shred it or I throw it away. I do not save my journals.
0: You know, that's interesting. I I have not done that, but I have thought about doing that. Because to me, it's all about where I am now, mm-hmm. and then moving forward. And I don't want to revisit the the past because then it, it can bring up some stuff. It's not about that the past. Is let what, go.
1: Well, you're just bringing up stuff in your head, mm-hmm. or stuff you buried. And the mm-hmm. thing about getting up in the morning is like you just write, write, write three little notebook pages, or if you don't have time, just one page. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm on the road, I take a legal pad, I rip out a page, right on the front, right on the back, crumpled up, throw it away. Just kind of get your mm. head out. Like you were saying about words that you thought you knew and then you had to relearn. Mm. We always have to relearn. You know, we always have to, like, where is, uh, what's next to Germany? You know, geography. Right. You know, we always, we're always relearning or revisiting things. And it's not about living in the past. It's about just refreshing your brain. You know, like if you, an adult, and you haven't been on a bike before, and you get on that bike, the, uh, the memories that come back, the endorphins that kick in, mm-hmm. that bring you back to that memory of when you were a kid, free on a bike, are invaluable, you know? True. So it, it helps me uh, just get the gunk out of my head, out, out of a night's, night's sleep, and then the meditation after that, and then I give thanks to each day, and then I move on.
0: Why why is it so hard to forgive? Because like, it
1: hu- hurts, man. It hurts. It hurts, and you remember it. You know, uh, a baseball pitcher said the joy, he goes, the pain of losing is greater than the joy of winning. Hmm. And, our, and I read an article recently, and I can't quote it exactly. I'm not a man of science. But it says our minds retain the pain of what people have done because it's a survival thing, because it, it reminds us not to deal with, with that situation again, whether it's a particular person or a particular situation. So people walk around and think, gee, I have such negative thoughts. That's your brain working to try to help you survive. Mm-hmm. But you still have to negotiate it, you can't get stuck on it. But it's not, you don't have a problem, I feel, if you have anger toward the past. You have a problem if you hang on to it. All day you have problem I- if it blocks you if it becomes an obstacle mm-hmm. but if you have it you kind of think about it breathe it let it go and you practice doing that and you get better at it. That's why meditation is a practice. Yoga is a practice. You work out a client you're practicing. They don't perfect it. They just work at it and then they get really good at it. We all know athletes that were great and then boom they have a horrible game. Mm-hmm. You know. They practice you know, a, a veteran. We see veteran pitchers go out there who have great ERAs, and they got, you know, eight runs and one inning. What happened? You know, it happens.
0: Yeah, it's just a part of life. And, and I and I, I realize, like, even with uh, the – I call them flare-ups. Like, whether it's uh, anger or uh, suicide ideations, they just use flare-ups. And it's just like a, a pitcher having a bad day. Like, yeah. I'm just having a bad day. I'm right. not – like you can't flare up forever, or a bad moment. Bad moment, right? All you, all right. you need is that day, right?
1: That perfect storm of this guy says that, or this guy cut you off in traffic, and and all of a sudden you're like back as a two year old throwing a tantrum, you
0: know? You said earlier that um, one of the reasons why you know you you married Susan and love Susan is uh, you both are independent. What else about the relationship? Uh, 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 do you love
1: we're there for each other Mm. you know if i'm going through a hard time she's empathetic if she's going through a tough time i'm there to listen to her Mm. and we like to share things Mm. like hiking or bike rides or you know we have very different tastes and we don't we don't you know, like people say, oh, I met someone, we had the same taste, and we finish each other's sentences. I don't want someone finishing my sentence. I don't want someone trying to guess what I'm going about to say. So we kind of brought our different lives uh, together and our families together. And it's, it's been, uh, even when it's been really tough, and it has because I've known her since 84. I've also known her a long time. I didn't marry her, like, after two or three years ago. Oh, I'm in love, and this is it. It's going to, you know, we've had some ups and downs in our lives. And she didn't want to get married. And we both didn't want to have kids. But there was a a time in my life I said, listen, you got to be protected. I'm going to marry you. So you get part of my pension from SAG. You know, we got to be smart here. Because I had friends uh, dropping left and right. And this is, like, 14 years ago. Mm. You know, uh, people were dying who were younger than me. You know, in their forties, and, and now in their fifties. I mean, you look at uh, Peggy Lipton. Yeah, She's how just old was she? Seventy-two. Wow. And then Doris Day lived to ninety-seven. These are two actresses that just died on the same day. You know, so I think about, you know, I know I'm not going to be here forever, so I wanted to make sure she was protected. And we got married, had a great uh, marriage ceremony. We just three people c- came here and. Uh, over at Mar Vista, and uh, marriage is also tough. But I feel now she's a part of me. She's a part of my life, and uh, it feels good.
0: Yeah. So, so like you're considering her, and you know, I actually read somewhere that the more extravagant your relationship or your marriage is, uh, or your wedding, then the the more likely you you are also to get a divorce. So really, it's very it's great that <laughs> you only had three people. Oh, <laughs> yeah. At the, at the wedding.
1: Yeah. Well, this is it for me too. Yeah. I'm not thinking she. she uh, if she does something, if I get a divorce, who am I going to date again? I, I'm done. Yeah. I am done, and that's a great feeling, after being on the road for a long time, and mm-hmm. I've had wonderful relationships, and you know, w- whether it was like a weekend affair or I had uh, a great uh, situation with uh, women in my life, and I've known some great women. They've also. Uh, affected my life in a positive way overall. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have women or people, I, we shouldn't say women, but people in our lives that we have romantic or sexual relationships that kind of fuck with us, you know, but I've been fortunate most of those relationships have uh, made my life better.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's true. I was just talking to a friend uh, who is uh, going to hang out with some of her girlfriends and and I was like, what are you guys going to do out there? She's like, I'm going to talk about men. You know, have some wine and talk about men. And I was like, oh, like what? And, and she had some very, you know, negative things to say about men in general. And I thought that was interesting. Was this recently? This is recently. Yeah. And um, And I just, I thought it was, it was interesting because, you know, I think a lot of people are walking around with these blanket statements about groups of people. Or about life,
1: carpet bombing.
0: Carpet bombing. Yeah, and and then they don't realize how it's affecting how they show up to those. You know, it's like I was walking out at Kenny and his girls. This lady, I heard this lady say to another one, like, "People are just horrible." And I'm like, "You're a person. So you're, <laughs> a, like, you're like that's what I'm thinking." I didn't say yeah. that to her, but I'm like, and I'm like, "I'm a person." And I'm like, "I don't even know. You, you haven't even met me, and here you are." Um, calling me horrible right you know uh well and, maybe she had then a then good that.
1: reason just to be in that moment to say that you, you know? know you know not taking yeah not yeah. taking anything
0: away from her but i'm saying we, yeah. we we say that stuff and then and then we 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 put that energy out there and then we wonder wh- why it, be, it becomes reinforced yeah they we start to look for that
1: right Right, you know. Listen, we've both been in that those moves oh, yeah. where We go fuck everybody. Yeah. Fuck everybody. I fucking had it. Yo, you, know, you want to play this game? Fine. You know. And then
0: I meditate tomorrow, but yeah. right now, yeah,
1: where I'm in my meditation, like fuck. Yeah. You know, because when when you meditate, it's not all good. It's no, not like it's a, not. I'm Absolutely. not floating out of the chair yes. like Michael <laughs> Keaton in Birdman. You know. Sometimes it's a tough meditation but that's okay that's what it's there for it's there for you to hack through the jungle of your own bullshit yeah. and nobody else's.
0: I know people make meditation sound like oh it's so peaceful and nobody talks about the fact that it is like uh, when a, um, a space shuttle is taking off and trying to break Earth's atmosphere mm-hmm. or you're just like in there and it's like the whole thing is shaking and it sounds like it feels like it's gonna fall apart. That's what happens when you first sit down because you don't realize how much of your your brain has been trying to talk to you all day because you've been distracting yourself with this and that. And especially it, if you're
1: new at it. You're oh not man. used to doing it. It's, oh, forget it's, about it. I, it's, I have a similar analogies. Like a rocket ship goes up. You know, This is your life. And then you get rid of that one part that you don't need. Oh, yeah. And then there's that other part you don't need. And then y- finally goes when you hit uh, the atmosphere, that the last part breaks off and it's just a capsule and you want to get in the meditation wow. and in life to that capsule just floating around you know which you r- basically you don't have to do a lot. Wow. so if, if you can, if you can make your life when you take off and jettison all that b- stuff that you no longer need, it yes. got you somewhere yes I got to get rid of that now. There's certain things in life, oh, now I can get rid of that part. And now I want to float and be the capsule and then still have a journey. You still have a purpose. But every now and then you wake up, fuck, I got the whole rocket. (laughs) I got to blast off again, you know. Shit, I already did this, you know. Nope. Do the countdown. (laughs) Get off. Or, you know, just deal with it best you can.
0: What, uh, now where did, you, did you, you get that from? Was that 20 you, years
1: ago? I was yeah. talking to a buddy of mine, and we were talking about it was, had to do with economics at so 1%. Mm-hmm. You know, like you want to be able to gain not riches, but financial independence or some financial security. Mm-hmm. So I related it to finance. You want to get to the capsule where you can float and still work and still do things, but you're in a good, you have enough foundation of uh, money you know, whether it's in an IRA or savings or you have a pension coming up. And then, you know, eventually, if you're lucky, you live and you get Social Security, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I originally uh, linked it to finance. But I said, well, that's basically, that's a better analogy for life.
0: Absolutely. You know. Yeah, because th- I guess my question then is, what are the things you're letting go as you're getting to the space capsule financially?
1: Uh, well, uh, Well, it was more of a momentum thing, you know, like saving money when you're young. Got you. You know, and then. uh, Oh, it's propelling you. you. And in this business, you make, you can obviously be making great money. That's why I tell young comics and actors, the first big money you make, if you get that break, that's the last money you spend. Don't go out and change your lifestyle drastically. You know, you might want to get a, a little better place, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But don't buy the car and the house and this and then give a lot of money to your friends and your mom, pick up the tab, because it can go away in this business. And I, as a kid, I watched Carson and I heard these stories. Mm-hmm. You know, or I've read about, we've all read about football, basketball players, um, show business people who were broke, who were on top of the world and broke. Sinatra. You know, came up in the '40s, had oh, more yeah. money than anybody, Taxes. and and then he was down and out in the, in the late '40s, early '50s. Yeah,
0: it, it's it's so fascinating. I, I'm just now I just started reading uh, Total Money Makeover. My sister. Um uh, told me to read the book, and for a while I was like, I don't need to read it, and then as I'm reading, I'm like, oh, I should have read this 20 years yeah. ago. <laughs> when I was
1: a young man, I had men <laughs> in my parish tell me, goes, you want some advice? Sure, save your money. Okay, sure. What the hell do you know? But but I should have listened to him. But, I, but then eventually I did, and I got lucky. I got a nice job uh, in 84, and then a, another nice gig in 90, so I've been able to take that money and kind of make a foundation you know i'm not rich but uh i'm gonna be okay right it's another thing uh, with my wife too she's great she's great at finances and uh, she's really made some good money for herself Mm -hmm. without a huge income but just she's just smart so i feel very fortunate and plus two income house you know
0: two income you're both healthy no
1: no children no no college
0: Now, are there were there any? Why why no children? Because you're how old are you now? I'm sixty four. Sixty four. Yeah. And neither one of you wanted children. Did you both have the same reason for not wanting children? I don't. I I,
1: you know I don't know about her, uh, but when I was when I was a kid growing up, it didn't look like a lot of fun. Hmm. Even though it was fun, and I love children. I have great relationships with kids, friends, and I have thirteen great nieces and nephews and four nieces for five nieces and nephews uh there was no time in my life where i felt okay now i'm ready to have kids because i had i wanted things i wanted to do things yeah i there was always something to begin there's all there was always <laughs> something new and i felt that a child as wonderful as it w- as it would be to raise a child and believe me this little boy came up to me in the uh tate uh museum in london yep. it was this dark uh Exhibit going on, this Japanese uh, exhibit. And he came up and he he grabbed my hand and he goes, Daddy. Because he thought I was his dad. And his mother came up and said, oh, that's not Daddy. And she smiled at me and I smiled at the boy. But when he said, Daddy, something hit me right in my gut. So there is a part of me that that wants to have children. But overall, I felt uh, I don't want that daily responsibility, especially the thinking. You know, the worrying, mm-hmm. the concern. Mm-hmm. You know, finance is one thing, but if any parent out there knows, it's a totally different game.
0: You're, yeah. com- you're completely consumed by, even when I'm just babysitting, I have, a, I have a nephew and, uh, and just hanging out with him for a few hours. I like, all my thoughts are about him and his safety and making sure, every, you know, like, who is that? person you know right like and you know what is he eating and you know like you're, you're, it's, it's true it's just very it's very consuming
1: but if it was your actual child then you would ha- you couldn't be consumed all day you right. would have to go out and train people right. go work but it's it's always there absolutely you know i mean people that are consumed by their children or consumed by their spouse are fucked i i feel how so because it that's all it's about there there's nothing for themselves You've got to have something for yourself. Now, if you have a child, of course, you've got to give to your wife uh, or your children or your family. Or you're at work, if you're uh, in any position of responsibility, you have responsibilities there. But you've got to save something for yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, I feel you're fucked.
0: You know, and, and it's, I think it's, you know what I think is interesting is one of the people who aren't able to save something for themselves also aren't able to save money. Because, you know, there's that Zen quote of the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a person who is giving so much of yourself to either your spouse or your kids or your work, then you're probably the same way with your finances, the same way, you know, with your health. You're just, you're not managing it. It's like you're just overextending in every direction.
1: Or sometimes, you know, with a lot of people, it's hand to mouth, you know, no matter how much money they make. The yeah. money. I, listen, it's never too early for a kid to learn about money, or budget. I mean, many times growing up, we can't afford that. We don't have the money. Uh, my parents, well, why? We don't have the money, and so I accepted it mm-hmm. that we didn't have money. It was I still had my bike? We still had food on the table. We were getting. Uh, uh, my parents sent all of us to a private school, Catholic school, or we Catholic, so we had a good education. Right. You know, for the most part, yeah. without the corporal punishment. Um, they encourage us to read as kids. So y- there's a lot more that you you give your kids, very simple things. But now I see, especially in this town, it's kids. They want their kids uh, – they don't want them disappointed. Mm. They want them to have the cool shoes mm. or they want to take them on a trip. Well, you know, Jimmy's parents took them to Six Flags, mm-hmm. you know, every weekend. So they do that. There's, you know, there's just more out there for kids and marketers are targeting oh, those kids? Man. They're they're trying to get you to just pour money into into your children, you know. But they
0: know the kid influences the parent, and the, and the parent eventually will. Be, the kid becomes the marketing tool.
1: Yeah, he's the nag. There's a nagging point. Yes. They've done studies on this. They will nag their
0: parents. The nagging point. Yeah,
1: they will nag, nag, nag until the parent relents. Wow, it, it, it's out there. They've done studies about this. this is the way marketers work, they get the kid, they get into the mind of the kid, and it's over. But I I guarantee you, I don't know what you're doing right now. If you sit down with your wife and kids tonight or your spouse and kids, whatever your situation, and play a board game, turn off the TV and stuff like that, you're going to have a great time. I'm not saying do it every night, but, you you know, there's so many things you can do, it doesn't cost you a dime.
0: You know, that that book... um, uh, was it about running on, on on? Is it on running? The book you recommended to me.
1: Well, running and being.
0: Running and being. Yeah, I got it. now you know, here's here is the thing. I am not a runner. George Sheehan. And uh, and you recommended that book to me. And I forget I forget why you recommended that book. It was such a it was such a great book. And uh, one of the things that stood out to me from that book was the fact that he said, um, "You have to decide." If you are training to be healthy or if you're training uh, for results, it was something along those lines. Right. Because the, he was like, there's nothing healthy about running a marathon. There's nothing healthy about running 26.3 miles or, uh, you know, doing CrossFit or ultra marathons and things like that. So he was like, uh, but it will, but you, so if you're training, is like, which one do you want? Do you want results? Do you want to be in great health? Because it's like even, you know, I go hiking and, and you go walking a lot. And, and walking is just as healthy for you as uh, running to a certain extent, but they yield different results. right? Um, so it was one of those things where, you know, it's made me think about what's my real intention for everything that I'm doing. Like, you know, are you doing stand-up because you want to be famous are you trying to get a message out there? Is it the lifestyle? You know, like to really hone in on why you're doing it, and I think that that gives you clarity and um, brings you into alignment with with your life. You know.
1: Well, the way I feel about that kind of thing, when I start overthinking, why am I doing this? I come to the conclusion that it's none of my business. That I'm I, like when I decided to run a marathon when I was younger. Yes is because I needed to do something that I controlled. And that's what I tell anybody who's going through a tough time in life. Just do the things you can control. Your diet, exercise, uh, your room, uh, put your environment together. And as far as just, I was running to to finish a marathon, and that was my goal. Mm -hmm. And that was great. Then I ran a few more, and I said, okay, I'm done. I, I proved it to myself. But as far as... Why I'm doing stand-up, I, I got to Spark Young. It's really none of my business. It's what I do. It's what I love. And if you keep going, whether it's walking every day or writing every day, it'll take you there. You don't have to to worry about the whole goal thing, Is I think, is great for some people. Mm-hmm. But for me, like a, a buddy of mine called me and says, you know, we're talking. He goes, what's the meaning of life? Why are we here? I go, it's none of our business. That will be... It'll be made known to us at a time. You know, we're on it. I feel that we all exist on a need to know basis, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not talking about traffic lights, but I'm just talking about your life. You know, are you doing something you love? Is there something there? You don't have to figure it out. Just keep going in that direction and eventually it'll be made known to you. Like I'm in Berlin and it just, Jesus, this stand up thing, look what it did. It got me around the country it got me around the world it gave me uh, a vocation look at all the people I've met you I've met so many incredible people some of my heroes you know uh, and it's really opened up my whole life now I didn't start with that at eight years old yeah I want you know I want to I want to be in show because it looks it looks like fun and of course I had fantasies about being a movie star but that kind of goes away when you get into the nuts and bolts of it. When you get into college and you work on a play, or you work on a scene, or you're you're not in the play but you're building sets or building lights, you're there with a community of people with an artistic goal to put on the best show.
0: You know that that is powerful what you said. It's when you're in it, all the the, the fantastical ideas and and you know wanting to be like that that does go away because you're just the the camaraderie and just the act of being involved and in knowing that you're building, that you're doing something, that is the reward in itself, you know?
1: Yeah. Bob Dylan wrote this book, and uh, in it he said his grandmother told him, there is no road to happiness. Mm. Happiness is the road. And I think that those are very wise words. And, it, you know, it's very simple. And, I, you know, I know there's some of these people listening to this podcast who are rolling their eyes but you get on that road and start working, and that's where it's at. Like trying to figure out a joke. Even if something simple. Where do I put the word? Or There's something funny here. How can I communicate this so it flows and makes people laugh? Mm-hmm. Or if you're a director on a film, i got to get through the scene. You're not thinking, because like, then I'll win an Oscar, or then the movie you'll play. Just how do we get through this scene? That's all you have to worry about, You know, the moment at hand, mm. one thing at a time.
0: You know, and when I played college football, they we are uh, that was our slogan "One at a time." We had it on our shirts, mm-hmm. and then there was this uh, board that was above the door as we exited the locker room, and each one of us had to hit it. it said right. "One at a time," and uh, and I try to remember that when I feel like um my mind is racing, I'm like. You know, just do the good in front of me. Just handle. And I love that you say environment instead of room. Like you're like my, instead of house or you go, just take care of your environment.
1: Yeah, look around and see what you need, what you don't need. Jettison, like the rocket. Let's get rid of some books. Let's, I don't need this. I I was looking when I was over in uh, UK and Berlin, I was looking for a couple of books Mm. in used bookstores. They didn't have it. And then when I got home, someone mentioned this uh, miniseries that was on PBS years ago. So I went on to uh, Amazon. It was like I could buy it for 15 bucks a season. So I go, the library. I went to Santa Monica Library. The books, found them right away. And they had the DVD of both seasons of the miniseries I wanted. Didn't cost me a goddamn thing. (laughs) And it's right here, (laughs) you know, in Santa Monica. So instead of like, okay, I got to go out and uh, buy this book. I got to go out, uh, okay, I got to get on Amazon and do this. No, 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 no. And now I pick up the books, you know, and I have plenty of time to read them, plenty of time to watch the the miniseries. Um, I don't know if that's what we we're talking about, but
0: yeah, no, I
1: I, I'm not going to have the DVD. I'm going to put it back to the library, the books back to the library. Mm-hmm. So you can read it, and you don't have to have it sitting on your shelf, you know.
0: What are you reading right now?
1: Raymond Chandler uh trouble is my business this great uh writer he wrote the big sleep he wrote some screenplays the he created philip marlowe the hard-boiled detective and uh i mean most literary people uh, would say he's one of the best writers of the 20th century didn't start writing until he was in his
0: 40s wow yeah yeah, I was just reading something about, you know, there's this idea that you have to be so successful when you're young, but most people don't really hit their stride until late 40s, you know, early 50s. And it's only, I think, with social media and social media celebrities and stuff that we see so many young people, quote, unquote, so successful, making so much money that we feel like we're behind the curve. Uh,
1: we're not going to all be Orson Welles or John Singleton, yeah. you know? I mean, look at John Singleton. Who d- who just recently passed away yeah. at the age of fifty one. Yeah. Um, but there's two ways of thinking about that. And yes, you you. There was a there was a sign up a poster up on the subway, uh, station in New York years ago. And it said, "Gauguin, the painter, was a bank teller at forty. It's never too late," you know, mm-hmm. uh, saying yeah, that you know, yeah. and someone had. Written like with a mark or a crown or something over that Mozart was dead at thirty five you know, so it was it was like <laughs> you know so he had two schools of that thought I really I love singing that. I go, yeah, well, Gauguin was a bank forty, so I got plenty of time, yeah, yeah, I don't have to worry. I can have this regular job, and then maybe when I'm forty, that's when I'll write novels. No, Chandler wrote <laughs> during that period, but he you know he didn't write his first novel until later. I'm sure he wrote, you know. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure Gauguin didn't pick, pick up a paintbrush at 42. Maybe he did. Some people can start a late career. So if you have uh, something inside you that wants to do something, begin, start it. You don't have to be. You have to make a film and, and be John Singleton or Orson Welles.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, the you know for the uh, you know last thing is um, you know I have a I always feel like there's one maybe two listeners out there who might be on a precipice of uh, completing suicide. And what would you say to someone, you know, before you kill yourself, what would you say to that person?
1: Uh, I would say don't let the bastards win. You know, don't, and you'll never know. Whatever age you are, especially if you're young, there's, I've been in situations where I just wanted to fuck it, you know. Once when I was thirteen, and I didn't come close to it, but I just thought about it, and even now today, I go, "Okay, I'm done," you know. And I understand if you're older and you want to kill yourself, or you're finished with your life, or you get a disease, or you, you like Robin Williams, you know, he realized his mind was going. That I understand, but uh, there's a lot of life out there, and it's not just now. It's not everything that's in your head now is going to stay that way. And it's up to you. So don't let the bastards win. Keep going. I mean, that's, you know. But then again, it's pretty easy to say. A lot of people have a chemical imbalance. A golfer said the, the toughest distance in golf is four inches between your left ear and your right ear. Wow. So if you can negotiate that on a daily basis. And you got to work that out. Like a guy works out a golf swing or you write or you pump. You know, you have to train your brain the same way you would train your body. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a lot harder. It's easy to go down to the gym and get in great shape. But what rest between your ears uh, will hold you back. You're your own worst enemy. So don't let the bastards win. Don't let the dark side win. Right. Uh, then again, uh, I've been lucky, you know, with my upbringing. You know, I, I didn't have a a tough childhood. You know, there were some bad moments, but you know, people have to go through a lot of shit and we don't always know. So I don't I don't understand what you're going through, but I guarantee you if you hang in there, things will get better. That's guaranteed. Our best days are ahead of us. I believe that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 64. My best days are ahead of me. That's right. You know. Right. A buddy of mine recently called me. He and his uh, granddaughter. He was like 75. He, he's been working hard. He's been through a lot in his life. Lost his sister recently. Lost some friends recently. His granddaughter, he has a granddaughter. She's three years old. They got in the golf cart, went down to the beach. And I said, when you see her playing in the sand, is there anything better than that? He said, no. And this guy's had great success. Law school, top lawyer, top defense lawyer, been uh You know, won awards over the years. Great respect. But he sees his granddaughter sitting there putting sand in a bucket. That's a great day. That's his happiest day because it's happening now,
0: you know, for him. Fantastic. Don't let the bastards win. Don't let the bastards win. Thank you so much, Alan Havy. You can call me Alan. (laughs) We've known each other. The uh, where where can people see? Because right now you're on you're on the show Billions.
1: Yeah, fourth season four Billions season running four, now. Yep, running right now. Uh, just wrapping up. But if you haven't seen the show, do yourselves a favor. Start from the beginning. Start from season one. Absolutely, you won't know what's going on. I've
0: actually started rewatching. I'm I'm currently watching the current season. But right. I'm also I've also gone back and started rewatching it from the beginning. Don't
1: fuck yourself up. Go back from the beginning. Be patient. It's gonna be here, Leo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to finish it today, because <laughs> it'll make some more sense. Because people Absolutely. slide back into the show. Absolutely. It's kind of like uh, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. You know, you would never watch Breaking Bad haphazardly. It's a right. it's a linear kind right. of a story. Absolutely. That's what I love about Raymond Chandler
0: too. It's okay. Like, and I'll link that book in the show notes also
1: uh the the uh, i think the first book to read is probably his best called the long goodbye
0: the long goodbye yeah and
1: it's like 53 so it's sexist it's racist Uh it's america back then right you know so don't don't read
0: it in context yes don't uh, say oh (laughs) don't yelp about it
1: yeah oh there's no trigger warning don't hug your pillow. Yeah, the, the real the world has changed, yeah. so it's good not to deny right. the bullshit from the past.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Great, great time. I'm glad I said. I'm glad you called me. I'm glad I said yes. Thank you,
0: brother. I appreciate it. Thank me too. You. All right. Um, w- once again, make sure you uh, you know if, if this podcast is not a substitute for going to get therapy, uh, call that number one eight hundred S U I C I D E if you need to, or call one eight hundred. 273 talk um, and they have some online resources also for those of you who are uh, international there is someone who will listen there is no hierarchy of pain so make the phone call thank you for tuning in thank you for sharing the podcast uh, and we will talk to you again soon